Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You don't have to wait for a role or you don't have to wait for the promotion. Instead, start working for it. Start thinking that you are already in the position and what are some of the decisions that you would have taken. So that made, made me think about a very different kind of a perspective. Why did I become an executive coach? I saw lots of great people fail to get ahead at work, while their much less talented peers blew right past them. That made me furious, but also curious. What were great people getting wrong? It came down to helping them re-examine what drove success and then helping them make critical shifts one hard truth at a time. Feel like you're doing everything you were told, but you're not moving ahead at work nor having the impact you seek? Then welcome to 97% Effective with Michael Winderoth, where we skip feel-good, happy talk and engage experts in pointed conversations about what it really takes to move the needle at work and your career. So if you feel stalled or frustrated or seek that extra edge as you move to the next level, then look no further. This is the Hard Truths Playbook you never got. Hi, I'm Michael Wenderoth, and you're listening to 97% Effective. My guest today says life is not fair. But rather than use that hard truth as an excuse, she has used it as information information to power her and achieve firsts in many arenas. Most recently and notably, the first woman appointed to the S&P Global Executive Team in Pakistan. I'm honored today to welcome Samia Kamar. We're going to talk frankly about what has supercharged her and how she uses those sources of power and skills to support the growth of others, increase her impact, and advance her career. Samia Kamar is Director People, S&P Global Pakistan. She has been listed in South Asia's Top 100 Power Women, been inducted into the Women Appreciating Women Hall of Fame, recognized as an exceptional woman of excellence by the World Economic Forum, and appointed as a Global Goodwill Ambassador for Pakistan. Samia, thank you. Welcome to 97% Effective. Thank you so much, Michael. It's a great pleasure to be here with you today. It's my prerogative to be here. Let's dive in and start with, with your career journey. You're such an inspirational role model on many levels. And I want to start with what I said in the introduction. You have said that life isn't fair, yet you've achieved so many firsts. When you're saying life isn't fair and how you view that, how you've tackled it. It's a hard truth, but you've clearly found a way to come to terms with it or overcome it. So, Michael, let me tell you a story of an ordinary woman who believed, just like any other Asian women, that it's all the hard work that gets you towards the success, and only hard work is enough for anyone to navigate through the career. With the passage of time, she realized 
that only hard work wasn't enough because it wasn't getting her advance in her career. One day, one of the senior colleagues said, I'm a very smart, very intelligent and a corporate fit kind of a person. And I feel sorry for all those people who are highly educated. And the fact of the matter is because I have managed highly educated people and degrees don't help people in the practical world. Now, with this statement, she was very hurt because she had numerous degrees, but it gave her a sense of realization that it is a fact, something that she should consider. And let me tell you, it's not somebody else's story. It's my story. And the story didn't end there. So I was always like, you know, very thoughtful that only hard work wasn't helping me anywhere. So my notion strengthened further because like I said, I had a list of degrees and credentials, but they were not helping me. So I knew something was missing, but I couldn't figure out what exactly was needed at my end. What was the secret recipe? I did not know. Nobody was telling me. I felt very, very helpless sometimes because back in 2015, I told myself that really, Samia, you really don't know. Because when I looked at other professionals, I kind of uh, saw that, you know, there was a secret sauce that they probably knew and how other colleagues got separate time, face time, uh, all the privilege and attention from senior stakeholders, especially C-suite executives, and they were getting mentoring opportunities as well as sponsorships. So after a couple of years, I went to Dubai and little did I know that I'm going to have a lifetime opportunity of meeting with our executive vice president and um, chief, our chief purpose officer, Demetra Manis, an incredibly inspirational, highly charismatic and award-winning human resources professional, a senior leader with a breadth of experience across managing teams within different industries and across different regions. The conversation with uh, Demetra was magical, who generously offered a career advice that I found very useful. She said, Samia, don't be ever comfortable with being, like, don't be comfortable with the comfort zone. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable and stretch yourself to the edge. And that advice was something that I, obviously, it it helped me some time to understand, absorb. Then I flew back to Pakistan and immediately enrolled myself uh, in Stanford Lead executive leadership program. And that journey gave me numerous opportunities that anyone can ever dream of. Now, I'm truly humbled to be mentored by her. And I love her million dollar advices that she gave me, such as surround yourself with people who challenge you because it leads to innovation. So that was kind of missing. I was not talking to people. I was not trying to understand what they were doing. Speak your mind respectfully. Again, something that I was kind of always afraid of. I always thought whether it's just me uh, thinking or having these thoughts, but was very fearful to share with others. Uh, Don't be afraid to take risks in life. And now when I look at it, I see like, Anyway, you know, you have to leave your legacy. This is only one life. I should enjoy it to the fullest um, and learn new skills. So I truly loved the challenge. I got out of my comfort zone. Uh, I, I was getting out of my own way. I stopped telling myself that, look, everything is possible. So I stopped having those self-limiting beliefs that any, I think, Asian woman would have or any woman for that matter, that, you know, 
I stopped telling myself that, look, I have to surround myself with intellectual and successful people. And then one day I asked for attending the award ceremony and gala dinner for best place to work awards. And I had put my heart and soul in making that happen. And ultimately, when we won, I knew the executives were planning to attend. And that was the first time when I thought that how about I show courage and I ask for it. So I asked with the thought that there will be numerous people who will be there with the anticipation that they will be very beneficial for me to have a network with and to build a rapport. And so just because I asked to my surprise, I was extremely happy while it was a small win, but it was sponsored. And that was the first time when I realized that one should always ask, like we should not worry about the outcome of asking. And so I started asking more and more things and that's where I started getting them as well. But one thing I can always say is that I started telling myself and I'm, I'm very comfortable with it now that at the most, what is going to happen? What is it that I'm going to lose? It is going to be a no. So one should never feel that it's a rejection because a no will be just a no and then life moves on. And so I started taking more risks. I said yes to public speaking opportunities while feeling extremely vulnerable to be very honest with you. And therefore, I went to Cairo, spoke at the Women Economic Forum, and I was recognized as exceptional woman of excellence for the story that I told. And then I think it was a flywheel effect on my personal branding uh, to the extent that I received numerous other recognitions. There is so much wisdom there. We're going to unpack a lot of those pearls of wisdom. But first, take it back to S&P. So, so prior to coming in S&P, you had been at some great companies, at each of those for a couple years. You know, what we see often in people's careers, they, they move around to take on new opportunity and move up. You've been at S&P for 10 years. And when you said chief purpose officer, that's a special company because that's not a title or a position that exists. Just before we dig into the, the specifics of what you said, what keeps you at S&P? What's the special sauce there? I'm definitely going to share. So what anchors the company is the idea of putting people first. Putting people first is and will continue to be most important for our culture. Our people are at the foundation of our business. They make it an innovative place. They make it a forward forward-thinking workplace that it is today. And so I believe that diversity fuels creative insights, equity unlocks opportunity, and inclusion drives growth to power the markets of the future. Our commitment centers on our global workforce, ensuring that our people are empowered to bring their whole self to work. But it doesn't stop there. We strive to better reflect and serve the communities in which we live and work and advocate for greater opportunities for all. So if I talk about my sense of purpose, Michael, it is to nurture talent for scalable business and sustainable planet. And that perfectly aligns with the vision, mission, values of S&P Global. And this is the reason that I've stayed with the company for so long. And, and I note, it was very particular that you guys don't call it HR. You call it the people function, right? You call it people. That says a lot. <laughs> let's, let's talk frankly, you know, almost operationalize some of this because you said so many things that resonated. Surround yourself with a strong network, with people. Speak your mind. 
and take risks, ask. So there were there were three elements in there. And to pick some of this sounded almost like serendipity when it first happened in Dubai, meeting the VP, the chief purpose officer. How have you consciously continued to do that? Or how do people do that to help them and help the organization? So Michael, when I look back at my career, it looks like it's very well planned and the big part of, however, that's not true because the big part of my approach is to identify opportunities as they come along. And that is something that makes me comfortable when I receive, like when I get feedback. When I get feedback, that's something which has kept this journey going. In simple words, I don't look forward to having feedback. In fact, I welcome feedback. And that makes a lot of difference because it helps me to kind of avoid. There are people out there who avoid getting feedback. However, that's not the case. And I obviously, I have built a muscle around it, uh, which is why I'm very comfortable because it helps me articulate my self-development goals every year. That what are the areas of opportunities? What are areas of strengths that I can further, um, I can kind of leverage? So the advice that I was getting from my trusted colleagues a few years ago, uh, when my predecessor left the organization and there was an open role, so everybody wanted me to kind of position myself for that role. Now, I did not know what was needed at my end. I kind of, I was lost. Okay, what's needed? What do I need to do? That's where I initiated conversations with my personal coaches, with my trusted colleagues. And I'm thankful to all of them because they gave me this advice that you don't have to wait for a role to be advertised or you don't have to wait for the promotion. Instead, start working for it. Start thinking that you are already in the position and what are some of the decisions that you would have taken. So that made made me think about a very different kind of a perspective. It was very different. So one thing was seeing things as they came up. For example, I saw the opportunity within that year that innovation and lean, they were very critical topics for the company holding strategic relevance. And so the company wanted a lot many certified lean facilitators. That, that was needed to drive the innovation work forward. And so I volunteered from the people team, which was kind of a surprise for some people. But at the same time, I was working very closely with the business leaders on the project. So it gave me a good idea about what was the perspective of the business, how they were thinking, what was happening broadly in the company. And then secondly, it also kind of put me in the ecosystem. So that was the second thing. So I co-led Global Rotation Program along with my global fellow colleagues where I devised assessment frameworks, managed outreach strategy, and it ultimately opened the door of travel. So it was a natural compatibility. Meanwhile, I was also meeting with people internally as well as externally. Uh, especially with the C-suite executives. So I was trying to bring it all together. And I was also inviting these people as guest speakers and used my time to kind of invite them. And it helped me align my own career interests with the company's interests. So basically, it was a win-win. 
for myself as well as the company. And in my role, I also started receiving requests for public speaking. I saw it as an opportunity to strengthen the work that the leadership team was doing. So I could easily go ahead and showcase that. Meanwhile, I was also building my own brand as repositioning myself as an expert within the field of human resources. And so I think it's a bit of a philosophy to say that one of the signs of the universe, which was opening doors for me, was to be very clear on the bigger sense of purpose. And then I asked myself that how can I, what can I exactly do with the new learning or how can I apply what I am doing now to benefit the company? So I'm very, very grateful to the three coaches in my life, you being one of them, Michael, who challenged me to reframe my notion about my career. And so I'm very grateful to you. And so those seeds that came together over the years, but, you know, if I hadn't planted those seeds earlier, then I don't think so that I wouldn't have gotten these opportunities or I would have benefited from them. You are amazing and, and, and incredibly proactive. I love what you said there around don't wait, start, identify those opportunities. And there's this huge theme of really thinking win-win around what is good for other people, for the organization, and, and how can you harness and amplify that. And I can see this visual that you were saying before, the flywheel effect. And a lot of this, I, I would point out, it has really happened in the last five years. Your career has always been on an upward trajectory, but it's really skyrocketed. So that flywheel has kicked in. To talk about two parts here around communication, because this part around asking, you know, said speak your mind respectively. You are based in Asia. Many of my clients are in Asia. And I want to ask you, because I do see you work for a multinational and Typically, let's not totally stereotype, but a lot of Asians will be more subdued, quiet. You know, I'm only going to participate. I've got the answers. Whereas typical Western, particularly American corporate cultures, you have to speak a lot. You have to have presence in communication to say nothing also of being a woman in particular societies and what the stereotype holds of women who speak out and are assertive. Can you share how you've overcame this speak up assertively, but respectively? More than happy to share, Michael. So when we talk about Asians, I'll tell you, I have another story to share. Um, one day, an Asian colleague from my network wanted me to share my advice on his review. And it was a self-review season in his company. And while he was expecting a promotion, at the same time, he got some critical feedback where his manager thought that he was barely meeting any expectations. And so he was very stressed out because mm -hmm. there was a clear disconnect between what he was thinking and wanting versus how he was being perceived and, the, and also what the reality was for him. So I asked him some questions um, and I... I later, you know, saw your book as well, which I really like. So I use some of those questions from your book, Get Promoted. Questions like, you know, what's your definition of success? What does fulfillment look like to you? What do you want to optimize in your life? And as you say, Michael, that not everybody is interested to become CEO, to becoming CEO. So everybody has their own likes. Somebody would like uh, to have stability in the career. Others would prefer recognition. Some others might be having some meaningfulness in their life. So with that, I also kind of, you know, 
probed further and I asked some questions that did you make your manager aware about uh, the fact that you were looking for a promotion and why that promotion was important to you? Or did you ask about the criteria of promotion for the next level? Did you even sit down with your manager, skip level manager, as well as all key stakeholders, decision makers? Did you let them know, like, you know, what are the strengths, what are the opportunity areas where you need to work together on? And like, you know, were you even aware about the competencies required for the next level? Um, So when I read the self-review, his lines were in the passive voice that the page was revamped because he belonged to the IT industry. And then the usability of the website was drastically improved. And to give credit to his teamwork, Uh, to the teamwork that he was doing with others. He also used some statements like, we did this, we made sure, we as a team were very passionate about this idea. And so I advised him that performance check-ins are great opportunities to self-promote and self-advocate about all the contributions that one really does within the year. And so that's where, you know, I, I kind of realized some very interesting facts. And those facts resonated with me as well so which is why i'm happy Mm. to share like it was challenging for him to advocate for himself as he saw himself from the lens of the world where humility humbleness concern and you know concern for others putting people like other people ideas first showing gratefulness like you know you have to wait you have to show patience were of fundamental value being a a middle-aged Asian professional from his childhood he was told by his parents that you know you just have to put your head down you have to put in a lot of hard work you don't have to brag about things success will follow because others will notice it. And so you just have to wait patiently. And also like, you know, it's disrespectful to speak too directly, especially to elders and there is dignity in silence. So working in a professional, like multinational company, uh, especially with, with an American multinational company with having like so a lot of global exposure, it there was a stark dichotomy between the fundamental values that he had versus the values that were needed, where he had to be very direct because that was required for him to carry out his roles and responsibilities and perform his job. On the other hand, in a high context culture of Pakistan, his directness was perceived as impolite. So I advised him some steps Uh, before the review and these are some of the strategies that have personally worked for myself and also I share it now with other underrepresented groups so like being self-aware that's very important by seeking 360 degree feedback it's very easy to put the blame of on others but it doesn't help right you have to be very very self-aware how do you come across what are other people thinking because perception is reality Um, That's one. Aligning your interests with the interests of the company uh, to align it with the strategic priorities. That's what I always um, mention, because if I have interests which are very different or I think that based on my interests, the company is going to promote me. I don't think so. It's going to happen because what's of prime importance should be known to people. And then the alignment of interests can easily be done. Thirdly, I'll say that If you are not talking about your career aspirations, if your manager is not aware, if the safety network that you haven't even built off, so then how can you even kind of, you know, question the intent or decision if you are not being promoted? I also think that 
people should be very comfortable with self advocacy because if you are not doing it then who is going to help you you are you should be the first and foremost advocate of yourself and the great work that you do and also like put your work out there so that people know that they aren't just nice talks or fluff share the articles or the key learnings widely through internet Uh, if you have a company internet or social media platforms also practice telling stories it's sometimes hard it was very hard for me to share my stories i never knew how to even narrate a story or how to even tell a story but it's very important that you share and obviously there has to be a meaning behind sharing and an outcome and something that is of interest but people should be sharing their personal and professional stories because that's how you build trust that's how you are seen as a competent person and then get out of your own way self limiting beliefs will not help anyone it's kind of an imposter syndrome and everybody goes through it but some people are really good at managing it so managing is very important think and plan how you can influence your career and ask for projects that have strategic relevance the more the critical work that you are asking for the more easy it is uh, to help you get where you want to and network with colleagues so that you exist on the map otherwise if you are not having um you are not having yeah, like you know you are not having any brand nobody knows about you it will be very difficult uh, for anyone to imagine or to even think of you and your career and lastly not being disappointed by failures or rejections because they are part of your life and they make you a better version of yourself um it's just about rerouting to a different path so that should also be absorbed very well and understanding cultural differences is very daunting i totally understand that but at the same time interpersonal accuracy is what is very important for anyone to work with global colleagues and my advice to asian women is not to shy away from the notion of sharing their passion from the notion of sharing their career ambitions um and they should be also able to express what they really want to do um they should they should have that ability uh and they should stop telling themselves that they are not good enough instead they should look at what they have already achieved i personally do that for myself i've started telling myself that look i trust myself i trust my potential i trust my resources i trust my capacity i trust my strengths uh, also like i have done amazing things in the past so i can do it in the future so it completely mm-hmm. changes the perspective and yeah that's that, that's something that i would love to advise you've been listening to 97% effective with your host executive coach michael winderoff if this interview is making you think make sure to share it with a friend now back to our interview a huge theme there of of self advocacy and I mean these two elements will work anywhere if you're self-aware and you're understanding what your organization or context is valuing that helps you really navigate that environment. And I want to take you back a couple years. I would say 5 years ago when I met you and got to know you at Stanford you were not bad at communication but all of a sudden I think there was a gap of a year or two that we had talked you went off the charts and really improved your ability to communicate with impact and crisply what did you do what was it 
there was a theme behind it as well and there was a lot of practice uh, michael and you are right i mean if, even if i look at some of my videos <laughs> it makes me laugh at myself because i did not know the recipe right of success to be very honest with you and be very candid so i pay a lot of attention to my body language my eye contact mm-hmm. the tone of my voice how do i appear and now if you ask me that how do you do that it's a good question because i look at my pictures i look at my recorded videos and then i kind of have an observation and reflect on what is a missing element what can be improved further in the future the pandemic also helped me a lot because we were all virtual and that's where it was very easy to kind of look at myself real time in the zoom calls so all of uh, you know kind of this has helped me um, reflect on the areas of opportunities to establish uh, my executive presence and so there is a lot uh, i'll say uh, there is a lot of thought that i put behind showing up in internal events external events in conferences summits i have developed my personal uh, style Uh, and i developed it over time that is not just limited to dressing but also like you know how i should be advocating about myself and others yeah so i really want to compliment you on that that work you've taken it to another level so michael like i say i give a lot of credit to people who have been part of my network and also the 360 feedback that i always welcome because i don't shy away from feedback like i said earlier and i'll continue saying some people do which is then which it inhibits your ability to progress and i'm also happy to kind of you know share one of another personal story where i got this feedback and it was around the same thing that just like you mentioned that you saw a transformation within 5 years so it was that some feedback that i um, received was that i went so in depth that i lost the attention of my audience as well as the engagement and in my mind you know i was trying to build my credibility i was trying to help others i was trying to bring my point of view in front of others trying to give additional context but then i realized that self awareness is critical for anyone to make that shift and while all of this was true in my mind i was perceived differently so i stopped giving second level of details and third level of details and i realized that okay self awareness is critical like how i am being perceived versus what are the needs of others and i stopped kind of you know giving additional details unless i was asked for and i tried to create like some space for others to ask questions and also to provide them an opportunity to be uh, to be kind of you know engage with the content instead of me giving all the information and making it kind of boring so it was amazing work on that front and and clearly you've you've been a host you've been a interviewer you do this in your people function and you're up on podiums speaking so again congratulations on the impact and and the work you've done there You have already covered a section that I wanted to talk about which is challenges that Asians faced in western companies, women face in male dominated areas. And so I'd love to shift it here as we as we come near the end to the global people team and your perspective there at S&P. Would love for you to point out 
one or two of the top trends that you're seeing in your global organization? A couple of shifts that I can share. Uh, Embracing technology. That's very, very important. Consider opportunities in using generative AI and predictive data analytics to create an employee experience, beginning from recruitment strategies to employee retention to the success of well-being programs uh, for a consumer type of presence of work with a greater ability to provide digital experiences to people to enable them to find what they need 24 by 7 anywhere across the globe because that's our future of work. Second, I'll say is which still holds true and will even hold true in the future too, which is understanding the fundamentals of the business. HR leaders need to understand the strategic direction of the business and the macroeconomic landscape in which the company operates. Uh, What is it that worries the CEO? What is it that worries most um, the CFO? All these are relevant questions and only then they can effectively manage talent and align HR initiatives um, if they are aware of the answers to these questions. And lastly, I'll say having a lifelong learning approach is super critical. One should never think that this is enough, this degree is enough, or this credential is enough, or I am having, let's say, X number of years of experience within this field. So that makes me capable because everything is changing at such a super fast pace that the lifespan of any skill is also, let's say, between three to five years. So that's the type of the culture that needs to be inculcated in organizations in the future. Mm. Back to your point around embracing technology. You're based over in Asia. I feel like a lot of people feel like the the West is is ahead on technology, but in a lot of ways, it's not. Asia is moving very fast, very competitive markets. And to, to reframe this question, I'm curious because of a lot of the things you do with brand building, networks, speaking and being out there. Has, has there any ways that you've used technology to help with that, even generative AI that you could share? So, Michael, I'll say I'm working for a technology organization. Before I joined, there were so many tools that I wasn't aware of. What I'm personally trying to do or is part of my plan is to understand generative AI. That is on my list, that how we can kind of, you know, leverage this as a technology. I'm going to build some Mm -hmm. digital literacy around it. Well, I have no doubt you will because you are a total lifelong learner going around the globe, taking best practices from everywhere. It shows up in your work, in your career. As a final question here, anything important that we did not cover that I did not ask, but should have? I think we should, like the question around networking was something that I was expecting. (laughs) Mm. Well, then talk about that. Yeah, because I think it's been really critical. And I know you mentioned that it started with that conversation in Dubai. Say say more about that. So focusing on right people is very important. It's not, networking is not about having a ton of business cards and passing it out to people. It's not about meeting many people with the hope that something is going to happen. Just like you say, Michael, hope is not a strategy. So <laughs> it doesn't work. So instead, you need to concentrate on people who you know will be able to make a difference in your career that you call influence conduits in your book. So I think mm-hmm. that's uh, very important. And so typically, when I am assigned a new project, I make a list of stakeholders who are extremely important for the success of the project. That is my first list. And then I have another list. And that list includes 
all those stakeholders who might not be directly related to the project. However, they are important for me to build a relationship within the organization because I can't go and play golf because I'm based out of Pakistan, so I can't build that relationship. So what I typically do is I reach out to them with a set of questions and I welcome their perspective or feedback on the project. So it helps me build relationships. It also helps me get mentors or support within the organization. And at the same time, uh, I get a lot of feedback on how to move a needle. And so it just makes things easy. So that's one I'll say. Second is having a win-win situation is very important, you know, in any networking situation. Both parties have to gain something. If one party is gaining and for other it's maybe the other one is not gaining as much, then it may not lead to a long-term or a sustainable kind of a relationship. Um, thirdly, I'll say what has worked for me is that I I don't ask others how they can help. Rather, I offer support. And so successful people in general are always used to receiving so many requests. So, and I often tell people that my shoes might be small, but, you know, whatever I can do in my capacity, I am still there to kind of, you know, help. And it has worked me because I call this a principle of reciprocity. Your shoes are not small. (laughs) 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 Too humble, too humble. And then becoming a connector, I do it every now and then. And people literally, they reach out to me and they tell me, like, I make connections uh, without thinking of achieving anything, but then, then I'm central to both of them. And I can give numerous examples, but it works because people say that, you know, how they can help. And I say, okay, I'll reach out in case I need any help, but just go ahead and enjoy. Like, I'm happy to connect you both. And lastly, like, remember to connect. Because if people forget those connections that they have built, hardly people are going to pay any attention if somebody is reaching out to you after a couple of years. And so you will hardly go the extra mile for someone who wasn't in touch with you for so many years and then all of a sudden needs something. So what I do is that on every Thanksgiving day, I have a list of individuals who have helped me throughout one year in some form and fashion. So if someone has offered me a new assignment to work on or has given me a spotlight or broaden my horizon or given me some perspective or any inputs or coached me. So I write, you know, short messages that how that experience changed me as a human being. And I personally thank them on the Thanksgiving day. So yes, Mm -hmm. that's all I can share. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendously practical tips. I love the fact that you pull out the list. You think very strategically about who are the key people And then you make sure you build a relationship in some way and not letting the fact that you're not playing golf with them stand in the way. And I almost want to title this lead with generosity. You are such an example of that. And it has clearly been reciprocated and you're using that with so many other people. Samia, how do people best see your talks, hear about you and your work, connect with you? LinkedIn profile is my platform. I would love to connect with people if they need any help, more than happy to give them any advice in case they have or support in whatever capacity I can. Samia Kamer, Director People, SMP Global Pakistan, and listed in South Asia's Top 100 Power Women. Samia, thank you so much. It has been a fantastic show and really appreciate your insights. 
here on 97% Effective. Likewise, Michael, it has been a great pleasure to be with you that I will always remember. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much and keep blazing a trail forward. Love it. Thank Inspired. you. Inspired. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to 97% Effective, where we skip happy talk and help you break through and ascend one hard truth at a time. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, you can get free resources, including the first chapters of Michael's book, Get Promoted, on his website, www.changwinderoth.com. That's www.changwenderoth.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.